0: That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash Judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. Hi, you're listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. I really want to thank you guys for all tuning in and listening to my very first inaugural podcast. It's something I'm just excited to have people to talk to because I'm trapped in my house in COVID. And this is kind of a way for me to communicate to masses of people. I hope that I have at least five people that listen. One thing you should know about me is I love carpool. I love a carpool line. It's my happy place. And when I pick up my kids, if I wasn't working and I had the opportunity to pick up my kids, I would live for being in the carpool line. And I wish I had like a tub of Orville Redenbacher popcorn, because there's always going to be some good show during the day. So if you're a mom and you're in carpool and you line up and then they open the gate and inevitably there's always somebody's mother-in-law in in carpool and her car is wedged sideways and she's driving around the, you know, the school uh, parking lot backwards, doesn't know where she's going. And then the one mom that has the minivan that says honk, if you love Jesus is like giving her the bird and they're having a fight. It is the best, my most favorite thing ever. And I will also tell you, I have run over cones numerous times and you always see the teacher's faces or the principal, whoever's there, and they're trying not to laugh at you, but everyone else behind you in the carpool is like dying of laughter. So I just want to start out telling you how much I love carpool. What ruined carpool for me was... Let's say 2019 PC, pre COVID. 2019 was a really shitty year for me. I, I still can't believe that we went from 2019 to 2020. I didn't think it could get any worse, to be honest. I had just gone through a situation where a very close friend of mine, prob- I would say probably somebody that I thought was my best friend in California, decided she no longer wanted to be my friend. And, you know, I've been dumped before by men before I met my husband. And I remember having a really hard time with it, but being dumped by somebody like, especially a friend. So girlfriends are so wonderful because you are, you can, they tell each other everything and you know, each other's stories. And we have, I thought had this amazing friendship and we could tell each other everything. But I realized, you know, like sometimes in life, I know this now, things are not meant to be. And, you know, friendships are gonna change and evolve and whatever they're gonna be. But I had such a hard time with this person leaving me. And what it did was it brought up my real trauma in my life and my true abandonment issues. And that's what led me to Dr. Ney. You know, I had been sitting in the carpool line and there were people like moms that were sitting next to me waiting for a pickup. And I just start hysterically crying <laughs> behind the wheel and like, they'd roll down their window and be like, Megan, are you okay? And I was just so like losing my marbles that I didn't know how to process what was happening. I was completely heartbroken. And, you know, it is what it is. And we are here now and I'm finally dealing with like deep, deep wounds of trauma from my childhood. So it happened for a reason, but that's what led me to realize I needed to be able to process this and get help. And I did, and I'm still working on it and I'm still having problems with depression and I'm a mom of two little girls and, you know, and I'm thank God have the best husband in the world. We fight like cats and dogs, but we're very, very happily married and I'm doing it and I'm not perfect. And i believe me, I'm so heavily flawed. You know, I'm going to talk in the podcast today about what a hothead I am. You know, I have made so many mistakes in my life, but the main thing that I want you all to know that are listening to this podcast. If I have the five people that are listening, I want people to get help if they need help. I want people to be able to say, I'm sad. I want it to be okay for people to talk about it. I want people to know that nobody's perfect. You know, I'm just as vain as the next girl living in this town. But I want people, women, especially men to be able to talk about their problems and help each other because this is time COVID is so, so hard. And if we come out of this as better people and have learned something from all of this, this horrible, like being pent up in our houses and our kids being on zoom calls, then this happened for a reason, just like everything else. So I thank you. I thank you all for listening to me. I I hope that I bring some humor to this podcast. And I hope also that if you are struggling, it's okay to ask for help. And if you don't, if you're not in a situation where you're in a happy marriage or, you know, life is so short. Don't, don't stay. If you're in an abusive relationship, get out of it. I am not a therapist by any means, but I believe we're all put on this planet to help each other, and COVID, believe me, will be over at some point, and then all the masks will be put in the trash can, and I've spent a fortune on these stupid masks, which, that's a whole other story. I wanted to welcome my amazing therapist, Dr. Nay. She has, I'm telling you right now, helped save my life, helped save me. You couldn't meet a more amazing therapist. You couldn't sit with a more amazing person. And what's funny is when you're in therapy, and I've been in therapy with her for the past year and a half, you're always telling your story. So this is is really fun for me too, because I actually get to hear her story. So I wanted to welcome Dr. Nay. Hi, Dr. Nay. Hi. Thank you so much for having me today. Thank you. I wish everyone could see her. And if you'd want to go to her Instagram and follow her, I'll share that at the end. Um, she, Margot Robbie portrays you in the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street. And I remember seeing this movie, like four or five, when did it come out? 2015, 14, several years ago. And I left the theater. And just like any movie where somebody's portrayed by an actor, you want to see what the real person looks like. So I remember Googling you and she came up and I was like, wow, she lives in Hermosa beach. Like I live in, at the time I was living in Manhattan beach. That's so crazy. And you know, it kind of was like, I wonder if I've ever seen her. I know her. And then cut to years later, I'm getting getting the old Botox because that's what, you know, I need to keep it tight and right, keep looking good for my age as best as I can before I have to start shopping at Chico's and get a perm. <laughs> and my friend Lizette was like, you know, I'm sitting there in her office, and I, like I have talked about, my year was spiraling out of control. And Lizette Ledwig is a good friend of mine, and she also does Botox filler everything else. And she's like, you need to go see Dr. Nay. And so I made an appointment and I remember walking into her adorable little office and it was like Chanel books and like, like faux fur pillows. And, you know, she's absolutely stunning, but she's also the warmest, kindest, friendliest person that I have met in a long time. And she has a very special twinkle in her eye. And at first I kind of like hated her because she was so pretty. And I'm like, do you have a deal with the devil? Like, how do you look that good for your age? But she's amazing. And she's amazing inside and outside. So thank you so much for coming on and telling your story today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I mean, listen, it's a good thing that you don't know my story because any therapist, if you go to them and they tell you their trauma,
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: run out the door.
0: Yeah. But I like the, the something that I like about you is like, I I've been in and out of therapy throughout my life just because of all the things I've gone through. Yes, And you're not like one of those therapists that just like sits there and just like has a pen and you know what I'm saying? And just like listens, like you give, Little tidbits from your own life, yes. and I think yes. that's really important because yes. it's people can relate to you because of that. I can normalize something that's happened to them for sure. Where should we even begin, Doctor Nay? I I think we should begin with what it was like because I bet everybody wants to know to be married to Jordan Belfort and to have yourself portrayed in a in a big blockbuster movie with Leonardo DiCaprio and Margot Robbie.
1: Yes, I am sure everybody wants to know because <laughs> it's a very strange situation. Even when I met Margot, because uh, they wanted her to get my accent, uh-huh. um, you know, she even said it's weird to meet the person that you're portraying because usually they're not alive. <laughs> and so, uh, at first, Jordan had written the book, The Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, and so I remember him sending me the book, and I, I read the first six pages. And I threw myself into my bed. I cried hysterically. I called him up. I cursed him out. And, um, and it was, you know, it was very traumatizing because living with him was really a Greek tragedy. And it took so much to get through it. And then to have it in print, I was not happy about that. But I got over that. And then uh, leave it to my ex husband. We're going to have a movie now. Here's the reality, people. Anybody can write anything about you or make a movie about you as long as it doesn't affect your ability to make money. Yeah. There was really nothing I could do. And at that point, I just surrendered. And I said, okay, like, this is something bigger than me. And
0: And were you unhappy with the way that you were portrayed in the movie?
1: Well, you know, I mean, listen. I mean Margot Robbie's a beautiful girl, right? So, yeah. you know, and I when I yelled at him and I said, This is ridiculous. Half of this stuff didn't even happen. I never threw water in your face. I never did this. Um, we never had fights about other women. We only fought about drugs, but yeah to portray it like that. Because narcissists love to control the narrative, right?
0: I've learned and, that from but, you.
1: <laughs> he's like, <"Can> I'm <laughs> immortalized your beauty forever. And I was like, Well, who the fuck asked you to do that? Yeah. You know? Not me. So I mean, I wasn't happy about it. But when I saw the movie, because I got to go to Paramount Studios and have a private screening, it felt surreal. But then when I saw the movie, I looked at my husband and I said, Okay, not too bad.
0: Yeah, I thought it I mean, it was an amazing movie. And I left the movie thinking, like being so interested in your character, you know, and and in real life like how did you get out and just so people know you're happily married now yes um, you how long have you been married 21 years i think now okay yeah and 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 you you live in her, well now you're by coastal since covid yeah. yes. but you have a beautiful house in Hermosa Beach and does, and does jordan still live in that the area as well and that's why you left the east coast to come here Yes. So,
1: okay. um, I, I mean, the way I got out was, I mean, Jordan, you know, was a severe drug addict and yeah. uh, he was highly emotionally abusive. And then there is that one scene in the movie where he punches me in the stomach, but actually he kicked me down the stairs. Uh, Cause he was trying to take my daughter. So, um, his drug addiction was really intense and he did get sober for a year before, um, I left him. He was sober and, but once somebody kicks you down the stairs, it's yeah. kind of hard to still be in love with them.
0: You know? Was that, so that was your, that was your final point of just saying I'm done. Internally. Yeah.
1: Internally it was. And I was, I was very afraid of him and, uh, and, and listen, I'm, I'm happy in a way that that whole scene did happen because we all made it out alive and he got sober, but really at the expense of, My soul, you know. And then a year later, he got arrested by the FBI. And Jordan always told me that the only way I would leave him would be in a body bag. So, yeah, that was fun. So, once he got arrested, though, I knew I was free because then he was the government's problem. And that's when I felt safe enough to leave him.
0: And how long was he in jail? He only went
1: to jail, I think, for 22 months, but that was much later okay and um but he actually after he got arrested he did break his ankle bracelet thing i don't even know what to call that because he took a helicopter to las vegas i mean i mean to atlantic city and so they put him back in jail and i wanted to move to california because i had met my current husband and so my current husband who was my boyfriend back then went to uh, lunch with him. And he said, if Nadine uh, tries to take my kids to California, I'm going to detonate a nuclear bomb over her head. Wow. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, but then, you know, he went to jail again and my uh, lawyer went to court and the judge signed it in five minutes and said, let her go to California.
0: And then after he got out, he followed Yes, so you two could co-parent. And yeah. have you been able to, to co-parent as Throughout all of these, you know, I mean, it couldn't have been easy at first. No,
1: it wasn't. But you know, I really wanted to get my kids out of New York because I, I didn't feel like it was their legacy to live with.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I moved to California, and it was great. And Jordan is a great dad, and he followed. He wanted to be with his kids, and he came. And yeah,
0: you know, we were we've always been pretty good co parents surprisingly yeah I mean so it sounds to me like he's been a really good father yeah. and you guys are in a in a let's say decent place how decent of a place can you be in realistically when somebody pushes you down the stairs and kicks you in the stomach you know
1: yeah I mean we both have very strong personalities so
0: no you um, don't <laughs> <laughs> but
1: at the end of the day we both love our kids and our kids yeah. are fabulous and to me, You know, we, we got married, we have two children. We had to figure out how to
0: be amicable for them. Yeah. And then, and then how, what made you want, so then you moved out here, you got remarried. I know you're happily married. I love following your relationship (laughs) with your adorable husband on Instagram and your kids and you're happy. Yeah. How, how, like, how did you get over all of that trauma? Like you obviously had to go to therapy yourself and then what made you want to become a therapist?
1: Yes. Well, I, the second I met, so I met Jordan 22, uh, babe in the wood. Which is so young. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. And so, you know, of course I thought I knew everything at 22, like most 22 year olds, by the way, you don't, if you're 22 and listening to me. (laughs) Yeah. I know. And, um, I don't know, maybe a year after meeting him, he was just so out of control. And I went to his therapist. I think I was pregnant. And his therapist his whole life said, you know, when Jordan works, he's like a symphony. When he doesn't, he's a natural disaster. And he's like, okay, your time's up. And I was like, what? So I ran and got myself into therapy because I I just couldn't even manage Jordan. It was unlike anything I had ever seen. Um, he just had a really bad temper. He could be very loving, but he also had a very bad temper. And so I went to therapy and I was in therapy my whole marriage with him afterwards. And so I was meditating a lot in my late 30s because I was a garment manufacturer at the time. And it just came up like, go back to school and be a therapist. Look how much it's done for you. And That's what I did at 39. And And you love it?
0: there are no words to describe how much I love my job. Uh, Isn't that amazing to be able to love what you do? You're so lucky, you know, I mean, so many people go through life and I was, you know, my story, I was one of them. I was in, you know, I, as you know, I moved out here to be an actress that didn't work out (laughs) obviously. And then I went into corporate America and I was in corporate America for, you know, like 15 years and I was miserable and I can sell. I'm i I'm a natural salesperson and I was good at it, but it just, it was slowly, as you know, Mm -hmm. like killing me Yeah. to the point where I was, as you know, having such bad anxiety at night that I thought I was dying because I had such horrible panic attacks that I couldn't catch my breath in the middle of the night. Right. So you're just so lucky that you're so good at what you do, number one. You've helped so many people. I mean, you're kind of like a legend in <laughs> this little community called the Bubble, you oh, know? That's sweet.
1: Yeah, I just, you know, I I guess cause I had experienced so much trauma at, at a young age, you know, with Jordan. And um I just knew how much therapy had helped me. I just and I grew up in a house where we were always talking about our feelings. And my mother was reading Young and Freud in the 70s. She was a single mom. So I grew up in a very progressive family, I think, psychologically. And my daughter's now a therapist. So I which think- Which is so cool. Which is like, it's just in our genes. And yeah, I just went back to school and attacked it. And, you know, I get to meet beautiful people like you and, you know, and, and I think because I've gone through trauma- I can help people deal with that trauma because it's one thing to learn about it in school, right?
0: But it's another thing to know what it feels like in the body, in the brain. As you know, uh, from my story, there was a particular Karen making fun of me throughout the community. Our community is very, even though we're in Los Angeles, we're in a be- the beach community and it's so small. Like you can't even go to our local Target without running into like, the mamarazzi, right? They're everywhere. (laughs) And this, you know, this, I'm not, there will never be names named in this podcast unless they give me permission, but I will say, let's call her Karen was making fun of me throughout the community because I was in therapy and I was struggling and to be able to, to ask for help and get help is so important. And, you know, like I know I'm speaking to you for I've been seeing you now for what almost two years, a year and a half. Yep, yep. And there's such a stigma still against it. And it's like, why? You know, like if you go through things throughout your life, and in my particular situation, I have I've been diagnosed with PTSD. Yes. Why would why would you not want to get help and then go through your life and know you know, I truly believe that life is a series of, of tests, you know, like yes. if you're going to do this and then you're going to do that. And you're going to get through this. And if you don't like open your eyes and realize, okay, this is happening for a reason. And I'm just going to like bottle it all down and never do anything with it. Then you're never going to get anywhere. So I think the fact that you're helping people and, you know, you are such an advocate to, for therapy is amazing.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, let's 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 just be real, right? Okay. But we have more neurons in our brain than there's like stars in all the galaxies. Okay. So it's yeah. pretty complex. Three pounds of tofu, I call it, right? And relationships are the hardest thing in the world. Okay. Our relationship with ourselves and our relationship with other people, and we spend so many hours doing so many other things. It's not a lot of time to spend fifty minutes to sixty minutes on your own brain body mind psyche soul and process it and get to know yourself and reflect and I I don't I I almost find it mind-boggling that there's a stigma still and and the word stigma really means disgrace yeah that, you know and, and and so I'm determined to break that stigma because therapy saved my life
0: mine my too life. by the way you know, know, and 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 in all seriousness, you know this, and I'm, you know, I'm doing this podcast because I want to be open with people and let them know. You know, I'm still in there. I had a therapy session yesterday yeah. with you. I am still struggling. I'm not through this tunnel. I'm. Would you say I'm like a skosh there, or am I like halfway there? I don't even know. Like I might be in therapy with you forever. I think we just always keep learning and, and growing and changing and
1: we have to be able to pivot. You've come yeah. a long
0: way. Yes. Thank you. Cause I don't really feel it, like, but I will say like going, like backtracking a little bit, I was so depressed, you know, you know, first it was 2019, which was like the biggest shit show year of my life I thought. And then it's like, welcome to 2020. Like, I never like who would have ever thought covid was going to happen first of all but I just remember thinking 2019 was so bad and then covid happened and it's just you know like there are t- have been times and I had to admit that I needed more help than just therapy you know which was huge for me because I I have never wanted to be on an antidepressant Like when I first met with you I said I said I do not wanted to go on an antidepressant. I was on one. My mom had me go on one in high school and I think I was on Prozac and it just was a bad, bad thing for me. And then when I was staring at the ceiling for hours a night and thinking of ways to not go on and, you know, and leave my two babies, Mm -hmm. you know, my daughter's 10 and six, and thank God I'm happily married. And yes. the fact that I was thinking about leaving that I knew that I needed to like actually get on something. So right. you th- sent me to a psychiatrist. So thank you for that. Cause they're great. And, uh, and I, and I am happily willing to announce that I'm on Zoloft and it's, it's worked really well for me.
1: Right. And, and, you know, the research shows that therapy and medicine and let's just even add in exercise and food, right? They're all resources mm-hmm. for us to feel better. And and you know, I think that actually, Megan, thank God you were in therapy in 2019, because a lot of my patients are doing better through COVID because of that.
0: Oh my God, can you imagine if I started? I would be first of all drooling. <laughs> I would be like sitting in a chair, like bah, ba 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 right. ba ba ba. Like I wouldn't, yeah. Huh. Thank God I started when I did, you right. know.
1: Because you gained some tools and knowledge about yourself. And and so in a way you were not, I mean, you didn't know this, but you were preparing because COVID is trauma. And it's, and it's like relational trauma, which is what happens in childhood, which is what you went through because it's chronic. And
0: we don't know when it's going to end. Yeah, and we feel helpless. Yeah, well, let's. I, I didn't mean to make it about me because I know I'm going to be talking about myself quite a bit, which, by <laughs> the way, is one of my favorite topics. My husband can tell you that, and so can probably some of my friends. But I want to hear about you're a, a cancer survivor. Yes. So pivot into like how when were you diagnosed? So you're a skin cancer survivor and a breast cancer yes. survivor.
1: Yes, yes. And it's a a pretty crazy story because um, it it actually reverts back to Jordan and, of course, but Mm -hmm. um, what happened was that uh, the catalyst for me to really confront Jordan, even though I confronted him thousands of times about his drug addiction, was we went to see a counselor and we went for one session and then we went back the next day and he didn't show up. And she said to me, if you don't leave this guy you're going to get cancer. Oh wow. That scared the shit out of me. And that was the catalyst. I remember I went and got like some cellulite treatment, you know. Cuz whatever we <laughs> do after yeah. that. And I was just like contemplating the whole time like I have to do an intervention. And I went and bought a book about interventions and then I and then then I went home and confronted him. And then actually 10 years later I did get
0: breast cancer. How old were you when you I was 39? Di- okay. So that was right when you were becoming a therapist.
1: Yeah, it was right when I was becoming a therapist and right around when he was writing the book. So yeah, I was very lucky. I go to the best gynecologist. I mean, shout out to Paul Crane and
0: Beverly Hills. He is the gyno of all gynos, and well, I might have to have a fight with you about that because <laughs> I love me—I love me some Dr. Surreal. She delivered okay. both my babies, yeah.
1: and he—he um, was—he was a beautiful doctor, and he is a beautiful doctor. And he said, you know, uh, my mom had had died actually the age I am now, at fifty-two, of lung cancer, and so we always did sonograms of my breasts and ovaries just to be safe. And he did a sonogram on my breasts, and I had a small fibroendinoma and he said, let's watch it for six months. But something inside me said, no. And I went uh, to St. John's and they're like, yeah, you have breast cancer. But yeah. it was really small. I caught it really quick and I did enough to do chemo radiation, but I did get a double mastectomy at 39.
0: You're, that's good that you did that.
1: It was really good that I do that at, did that because um, I had a very young surgeon and she said to me that one thing about breast cancer, Nadine, is breast cancer comes back. So it's yeah. one thing if you get it at 50 if you get in your 30s yet you're, you're gonna knock on wood live another 30 40 years it's a high percentage that it's gonna come back
0: and and now and nowadays I have a good friend that uh, from college one of my college friends just um, went through you know a double mastectomy breast cancer yeah. and you know she's such a strong girl she's had such a hard year a couple years but she, you know, you can do this reconstructive surgery. Now we're so fortunate that we live in a time where, you know, it's one thing to, I'm all for plastic surgery, by the way, but it's one thing to do it for vanity purposes, but you can actually really help somebody and they don't have to live a life where they're like feeling ashamed. They were already sick and they can come back and have even better boobs than before. So that's awesome. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and, you know, it physically um, breast cancer wasn't as big a deal for me because, again, I was young and I had great, uh, great surgeons. But yeah, what happened for me then was um, I definitely had, like, a perfection complex for sure, and that shattered that for me clearly. And so I actually had a lot of anxiety, not necessarily about the breast cancer, but because um, I was – at pretending I was perfect which is ridiculous but to cover my shame Yeah, you know and we talk a lot about shame in therapy as you know mm-hmm. and so that really brought up my shame because that coping mechanism of I, I can't make a mistake I have to be perfect was shattered and so um, it was a tough time but I was in school then and that was great and then, a few, then I think like three months later I got skin cancer and I was like oh, oh. my god but um, breast, skin, and colon run together.
0: Okay. I didn't know that. that.
1: People should know that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I got it removed. And another great doctor, Dr. Moy in Manhattan Beach, she's amazing. He's a good friend of mine. And so I'm just very on top of my skin now. I've had a few things removed um, because, you know, I grew up in the 80s. We were in the sun.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what, I mean... I used to, I mean, everybody used to put like what baby oil and yeah, you know, yeah. But you, it so scary. you're oh, when you're in the sun, you always wear a hat cause you have such a okay. lot yeah. skin. I've never yeah. put
1: my face in the sun since I was 27. Um, That's
0: like me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That was just for vanity reasons though. Yeah, me know. too. <laughs> but, um, but, so I was really surprised when I got a little, um, skin cancer there and then I had a melanoma removed from my, from my stomach. So, yeah. So I'm really on top of it. Yeah. And, um, you know, just
0: thank God for modern medicine, but you know, so I've been through the share of it. <laughs> you sh- you really have. I think that that's too, like all the things that you've been through are what make you so good at be- at being a therapist, because I don't understand how you could do the job that you do and be successful and help people If you don't understand what it's like to really go through trauma in your own life, it's kind of like being a, a, like a, like I would say a lot of times uh, OBGYNs, I know yours is a man, right? That you love. So there are great male OBGYNs, but a lot of times women like OBGYNs that have actually delivered a baby themselves, you know, whether it be a C-section, I had two C-sections they They can understand you know and be sympathetic, so it's yeah. it, 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 it all ties together
1: yeah it, it really does, and you know you know my, and my, um and and what happened, it's interesting that you say that because a lot of times, especially you know when I was in my office at my home, and I would be going down to work and I, and I would have a, a new patient, let's say, and they would have gone something, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's why I went through that, like yeah, oh, that's why I went through that. That's and amazing. It really did it really does help me? You know, um, I also worked at a cancer center for years. I uh, ran groups there, and um, you know, that's not my specialty now. But uh, no, it really does. It really did help. And and I think you said something really important in the beginning of the podcast is that you live a long. You live long enough on this planet, you're going to suffer, right? But what helps us is when we can make meaning out of the suffering. Yeah. My job has allowed me to make meaning out of all of my suffering.
0: Because if you just feel like you're suffering for the fuck of it. And and also just how you can turn everything around, you yeah. know, just like to be able to be like, okay, like, you, like life's still not perfect for you, right? Uh, like there's no such thing. Oh we, we all live this. This Instagram life, you know, I was telling you yesterday, I, you know, after the past like year and a half of hell, I was posting a lot of pictures of my family and pretending or pictures of like me and my dog or, you know, doing these videos. I like to imitate, I was imitating Carol Baskins and Debbie Burks and, you know, and I was in so much pain. These were times when I was thinking of offing myself and I was posting these pictures, like I'm so happy. And then obviously putting filters on things because I'm, I'm always going to be critical of my appearance. So I just, you know, I think like, let's be real, you know, and I love that about you. Yeah. And you know, the thing is too, I mean, listen, uh, you know, I mean, Jordan is clearly
1: a person that we can all say has some issues, right? (laughs) I mean, yeah. uh, I didn't, if I would have just blamed Jordan and I wouldn't have looked at my part in it, that wouldn't have been right. You know, so it, like I always say in a weird way, the wolf was my Buddha because it was such a dramatic, horrible ex- experience that I had to look at myself.
0: Yeah. And what was my part in that? Because we all have a part in everything that happens. Of course. Everything. Of course. Even if it's like, you know, Things that I've I'm going through with the friend stuff. Yes, and I was so sad and heartbroken and trying to understand. Like, but I didn't do anything. Why is this happening? But why? I, I and I and again, like I still don't. I'm not there to understand it. But I know it happened for a reason. And in the end, it happened for a positive reason, you know. And I'm yes. still going through that. I'm learning.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Because. Because like what you went through with your with your friend group, um, you had so much early complex trauma, okay? So there's a difference between shock trauma if you're in a car accident or a natural disaster and relational trauma, which we all have because nobody has perfect parents, okay? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And you
1: had a lot growing up. And then when we get older and something traumatic happens, like what happened with you with your friend group, it brings up all that unresolved trauma too.
0: And so totally. it
1: gave you a chance to work on that as well.
0: Yeah. So that's the reason it happened. I believe that. And I'm convinced of it. Yes. Can, can I ask you like, to, you to me, uh, yeah. go backwards a little bit? Yeah. I, there's a couple scenes in the movie. We've talked about one of them because, you know, I'm a horrible traveler. Like I hate flying, hate oh. it, hate it, hate it. Yeah. And I always, I remember seeing that movie and you have to go on that boat and yeah. and be rescued by the helicopter. That really happened.
1: Oh my God. That really happened. That was, I mean, literally I had a life, I had a thing on my car, which would have said I had my angels on the run because that was insane. I mean, it was the first time I'd left my children. I think they were two and one, uh, three and one or two and six months. And I, like, taped bedtime stories for them, and I remember I I took my daughter in the back and took a shoebox and put rocks in it and put a map of Italy, and I said, when you miss me, like, shake this. This is where mommy is, and so we go on the yacht, which I hated that yacht. I mean, Jordan bought it. He named it after me. I said, what? Do
0: I need a yacht? (laughs) Oh, I forgot. That was really his yacht. Yeah, not that like really how to yacht. Oh, I don't I, remember that, that from the movie. God. That's really funny. First thing ever. Because I had babies who couldn't swim. Oh yeah.
1: Right? So yeah. like, who wants that? But anyway, he's again bought it from me, but really bought it from self. So <laughs> uh, he's like, okay, we're gonna go to Italy. We go to Italy. And the captain says, you know, could be some upseas. seas, but we were seized in old people at that point. And we went downstairs and took a nap, and I look upstairs, and I mean, I look up, and there's like water dripping in the stateroom. and I'm like, holy shit, and we go upstairs. The waves are huge, and we had a little dinghy on the back called the Chandler, which is my daughter's name. Yeah. I saw that fly off. Oh, no. And I said to the captain, we got to call a mayday. And he's like, well, you better be ready to get off this yacht. I said, well, you think we're staying on this yacht? So we called the, um, Italian coast guard and they tried to save us. They couldn't save us. And the waves were insane. And everybody on the boat, except for Jordan and I, I guess this is where we're very similar. They they went into shock. Like you would think people would be running around screaming. No, everybody got really quiet and you could see everybody just start to prepare for death. Really?
0: Oh, wow.
1: And, um, and then I don't know what happened that, oh, they called the Italian Navy. The Italian Navy was on, the, the Italian Navy was on its way to Africa. So they rerouted an Intrepid. And I don't know what happened. I went upstairs and at like 3.30 in the morning, I said, you know what? We're not going to die tonight. Like something overcame me. Then at 5.30 in the morning, they said, Nadine, you're up. So what do you mean I'm up? So, well, you're going to be hoisted into that helicopter. So a frog man came down. That is so scary. It was so scary. I think I lost twelve pounds in eighteen hours.
0: Oh my god! Maybe I should do that. That's a good <laughs> idea.
1: <laughs> and they hoisted us up into the. They hoisted me up into the helicopter. That was the cool part. And then we were on the intrepid having prosciutto, and we lived. But it was the scariest yeah,
0: thing. That's it's terrifying. Are you? Are you? you I know that you've told me you're spiritual. Yes. Are you spiritual? Like yes. you believe in God and you pray yes. Yes. and all yes. that stuff? Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm is like, that an important part of your life? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I besides from being a therapist, I went to Agape, um, which is an amazing religious sanctuary in Los Angeles for two years. Yeah, because for me, God is love, and it's all the energy in the universe. Yeah. So yeah. I'm definitely spiritual because. I'm certainly not. No, no, no human being is responsible for all this.
0: <laughs> right. I know. And then the other story I was going to ask about is did, when the part in the movie where he's driving the car and oh. he's so wasted that he was slurring the words and called from the country club and walked up the stairs. Is that true? Well, yes. I mean, so th- that was the thing. You know, this is
1: the weird thing about quaaludes. Okay is that you, somebody could take them. It's not like drinking. You they yeah. take a pop three and then it doesn't hit them until 20 minutes later. So that's what would always make me crazy. You know, I'd be a young girl, get dressed up, go out to dinner with Jordan. Then all of a sudden, he would be slurring. <sighs> I'd be like, oh, my God, really? And so then the waiters would come over and say, I'm like, he has cerebral palsy. Like, don't pay attention to him. And no offense to anybody who has that. I'm not meaning to be disrespectful.
0: Yeah. But, but you were covering for oh or constantly I, I like covering that for him. Was
1: terrible. I mean, yeah. And so that scene, um, again, I probably didn't know that he took the quaaludes because most people would do one; he would do ten. And I remember, yeah, he did come home and his car was banged up, and I was like, "What happened?" And that so, but I didn't see him come out of the country club. Which, but that is my favorite scene in the movie.
0: I mean, he, and then is that, and then he, that was the scene where he put your daughter in the car or different. No, that was different.
1: That was the scene. And this didn't really happen in real life, but I mean, Danny are like in the kitchen fighting over the phone, which is a funny scene. Um, that didn't happen in, in, in real life, but you know, the police did come. He did have to go to court over that. Um, yeah, he was just a cowboy. He was crazy. And I had wow. control. I mean, I, there was, you know, the, the, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't know is that, um, at one point the FBI made me clean for a day, which means, they did. That, yeah, they did, which means that you can sit down with them and tell them anything and nothing you say can be held against you. And I was so scared. I mean, as soon as I sat down, I started crying.
0: You know, and my is wife, it like when you go and talk to the FBI? Are you really like in a room with a mirror and all that stuff?
1: Well, no. Like I was with my attorney, at, okay, um, because I just had to tell them something. And um, because Jordan had like given me keys and said, "This is a, a safe in Switzerland. You can go get money." And I'm like, first of all this was when i left him. I'm like, he's probably setting me up. So I immediately called my attorney Yeah, and uh, they didn't like it that I was, you know, telling on their star witness right at this point. And the FBI agent said something to me and I said, do you know what it's like to live with somebody that you're deathly afraid of? So if you don't, don't fucking ask me that. And he was like, it's not your ch- turn to ask questions, miss.
0: Yep. Yeah, you know what? Something I left off is, one of the best things about you is that, and I hope you're okay with say, me saying this because we talk about it a lot, is yeah. you're a hothead <laughs> and right. I'm a hothead. Yep. And I feel like that, like we've talked about that I have like this little, what? It, what is it? Uh, Incredible Hulk. I call it yes. the Incredible Hulk. Incredible so Hulk. Yep. I get, if like I'm Irish and Italian and I can be just set off very easily, it's yep. going back to my childhood and I have to work on my anger issues and I'm trying, but sometimes like, you know, I've been known to like give people the bird and, yep. you know, I have a lot of road rage at times. And I like that you are like somebody that always says it like it is. And if you see somebody wronged, you're going to say it. Yes. You know, I think it's really important. It is. And you know, this was after eight hours of them grilling me. Yeah. And I had just
1: had it. And the thing about anger, too, is that people don't know why it's so hard to contain, is that it has the quickest neural firing, pattern firings in our brain. So once it gets activated, it is really hard to contain. And, um, you know, the, the FBI agent did not like it that I asked him that. But, you know, I said that to him for a reason. Like, you don't know what it's like to be afraid of somebody you're married to. Yeah you know, like you, you don't, you don't really get that. And, uh, and he was scary, you know, and scary things happened like the boat, like him doing that to the car. I mean, my, my nervous system was always in high
0: alert. Were you ever scared that he would like have something them do somebody do something to you? Like that was, did it ever get to a point where you were worried? Cause you said you were, he was, he would say you can never leave if unless you're in a body bag, once he was in jail or he didn't want you to go to the FBI, were you scared for your life? Did you have to be under like some sort of protection or something like that? No.
1: Once he had an ankle bracelet on, I knew I was safe because they were monitoring him. It was more when I was married to him that I would, I was very fearful of him because he, he had, he would rage and I didn't grow up in a home where we yelled So I didn't really understand it. It was just very weird for me. And I didn't know what to do with it. And then, you know, I'm from Brooklyn, so I'm no pushover. Yeah. You know, so I, after, he has something called proactive anger. And so I would then have reactive anger. But um, his anger was, and just so people understand, rage is a mixture of anger and fear. And it was, it was literally felt like a tsunami. Yeah. When it would come at you because he's dominant. That's, that's, he's dominant and he's bold and he's fearless.
0: Yeah. Um, what, what was, I was going to ask you also. Yeah. What are two things that people would be surprised to know about you?
1: Oh, that's a great question.
0: Thank oh. you. I'm new at this, but I'm yeah, learning quickly. That's
1: a really good question. <laughs> Question They'd be surprised. I'm such an open book, so I, I have to like really think about that. Um,
0: hmm, I don't know. That is, I so mean, you're a big reader, aren't you? you read I mean,
1: I, yeah, I mean, that's that's one thing, probably. Okay, people would be surprised. It's like yesterday, I spent, uh, but if you know me, you know that I'm a big, huge researcher. I spent six hours researching on one patient. What would that be? B. Oh, okay. Well, maybe one thing, let me think about this. Is God, Megan, you've stumped me with this one.
0: Hmm. I can't believe I stumped you. I feel like I've never stumped you before.
1: No, you really stumped me um, that they would be surprised to know about that I eat potato chips all the time.
0: Well, yeah. The funniest part I have to tell you this story about Dr. Nate. So okay. her Instagram if you need to follow it, what's your Instagram? I think it's is it Dr. Nate is it Nadine? I think it's Dr. Nadine Macaluso. Yeah. Okay. So I I fo- I obviously follow you and I love your Instagram but during like this was probably like March, April in the, in the very beginning of COVID. And you posted this video. It was so funny. You were like eating a gallon of ice cream. Eating a gallon of ice cream. And you oh. were talking about a saying that you like to say is, um, the cr- what is it? The cracker, oh. the cheese has fallen it off the cracker. Off the cracker, yes. Yeah. And I was, and first of all, I really don't think it's fair that you can eat a <laughs> gallon of ice cream. If I eat like two bites of ice cream, the next day I've gained five pounds. So you're very blessed and lucky. Oh,
1: I am very blessed in that way. And yeah, and I'm, and I'm so not a germaphobe. Like the funny thing about me is that, you know, I'm still friends with all my girlfriends from Brooklyn and, you know, we'd always go to the bar and this is a very funny thing. I would be the only one that would sit on the toilet, right? They would always put paper because nobody knows this about me. Like, mean, that's disgusting. I'm like, everybody has an ass. It's okay. Nothing's going to happen. And well, there's said, your thing that nobody knew about you. And now we know it. That was my thing. And I'm not a germaphobe. I'm just not. I wasn't. My mother wasn't neurotic like that. And my friends still make fun of me till
0: this day. I'm the complete opposite. I've told you about that about me. Are you a little bit of a germaphobe though now because it's COVID? Oh, like, sure. yeah, no. okay, because that because that I'm 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 not like the person that's like everything's folded in my house. There's laundry everywhere. I don't know how people keep up with laundry with kids and a family, but I'm. I'm such a germaphobe, like to the point where people make fun of me because I could never go any, this is before COVID, go anywhere without a bottle of hand sanitizer and spraying it everywhere. Like right. Anytime I shook hands with anything, anybody, I'm a complete germaphobe.
1: Yeah. No, see, I think growing up in Brooklyn, like we had the two second rule, like even if something fell on the floor, the concrete, we pick it up and eat it. Oh, it was two seconds on the floor. We could still eat it. No, no, it was just very different. So. But now, of course, with COVID, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware of it. And and, and,
0: and also with COVID, I want to talk about your mask, aren't you? Oh, so yeah. the, right now you're doing, I saw that you're doing a free mask for anybody that's a okay. breast cancer survivor, yeah. which I yeah. think is so cool.
1: Yeah. When, once COVID happened, um, I was a garment manufacturer before I became a therapist. And so soon as it happened, I knew masks were going to be big. and I just went back to my old people and I said, we, I need to make masks. And so I've made tons of masks. I just donated a hundred to a nursery school here for little kids Aww. and all the ones that I made that I sell, get don- all the proceeds get donated to mental health charities. Yeah.
0: I love that. And I love too, that you are so cute when, when COVID first happened, you wrote me the sweetest little note and gave me a bunch of masks that you a make and I and your mask, by the way, your cheetah one, because that yeah. Lord knows I love an animal print, is probably <laughs> my favorite mask in my collection. Uh,
1: yeah, it just listen, I care about fashion, that's one thing, right? Okay, yeah,
0: so I'm do a, I. Unfortunately, I'm a real
1: fashionista, and so I need good masks and I need safe masks. And if we're gonna have to wear them, let's make them fun.
0: Yeah, who would have ever thought, right, that we would be like. Oh, my God, that mask is so cute. Where did you get it?
1: (laughs) I know. I know. The whole world has changed so much. And uh, I know it's really hard right now. But I I think just like personally, the brain and body only grow from threat and suffering. So, you know, I really have hope. I'm an eternal optimist that going through all of this trauma, this collective trauma, that will all come out better as a society.
0: I hope so. I mean, it's just, it's a very scary time. And, you know, that's why I think maybe out of this we'll realize that talking about problems and being real is what we need to do because everybody is struggling, even though they don't, you know, I don't really know anybody that's not struggling right now. No.
1: and, and, And I also want to mention too, like, if you have an elderly relative that's alone, Uh, I've been noticing a lot lately that they're really falling through the cracks right now because they can't visit people and nobody's visiting them. Really important to check on them.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Somebody physically go to their home because I've had two stories this week where people and friends, um, patients, they've you know they've gone to their parents' homes and they've just been a, a mess. So, you know, after eight months of isolation, nine months of isolation and you're elderly, it's hard.
0: Well, I think it's hard for anybody, but I can't imagine, you know, being elderly and we, and on a side note, I feel like we treat our elderly people like crap. And as a society, we need to do a better job. It's like, these are people that, you know, we're all going to be there someday too. So Let's treat our elderly people better. Yeah. Um, I was gonna ask you what, one other question. Sure. Do you have any regrets in your life? I mean everybody has regrets, but yeah. is there one like big regret or something you wish you would have done that you didn't do? Um not really per
1: interpersonally, relationally, no. Um, because, you know, I mean, my time with Jordan was tough, but I have the most, two, two of the most beautiful children, my daughter Chandler and my son Carter. I love them more than anything. The only, the well, a, a huge regret I have and my husband wants to kill me over this is when I first moved to Manhattan beach, we bought a house on the strand and we lived there for seven years. And I just personally, I'm, I'm an introvert. Yeah. I can talk clearly and act extroverted and I made him move. And now the house is like quadrupled in value.
0: Oh my God. But it's okay. Yeah.
1: And I always say to him, but John, something bad maybe
0: would have happened there. Don't worry about it. I, I actually have heard stories that I would, I mean, it's gorgeous. By the way, for anybody that's <laughs> listening, this strand is the beachfront homes in, you know, in the beach cities. So anywhere from, right, you know, Manhattan beach to PB, I guess those are all does the strand run to PB? I don't know. I think to, to redondo, like almost to to redondo. redondo, Yeah. Yeah. So that these houses are first of all honkers and (laughs) they're gorgeous, but you're constantly having people because the strand is a walk path, walk past your house and look inside. And you know, we we unfortunately in the beach cities have a really big homeless problem now.
1: That's what I've heard.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's gotten worse. And you know, in, you know even since COVID, it's worse than it's ever. I
1: heard. I know somebody was telling me that yesterday. And you know, in regards to regret, I'm glad you bring it up because I, I work with everybody on regret, and I worked with myself on it. And the research shows that when, when we've done something wrong, because we've all done stupid things and hurt yeah. others or made not correct mistakes, you know, is that we have to accept it, then we make amends you know, to whomever we hurt, or maybe it could even be ourselves, and then we commit to change. Yeah. So it's do, a way you way like, do you right. like yourself? Oh, my God, yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love myself. I can tell. Yeah. And you don't care about what anybody thinks of you, which is a really amazing thing for somebody to...
1: Oh, because you know what? I mean, listen, people are going to project all over us all day long. And I I understand psychology well enough to know that it's okay if people judge me. That's okay. That's their right, you know, but it doesn't have to penetrate me. And I'm really, as a therapist, you're really trained not to be judgmental. And it's such a gift. It's such a gift to just be like, you know, you can have discernment. Which allows us to make choices, but that judgment, good, bad, it's you know, we have to hold the gray in life. So uh, trust me, I am so imperfect, but
0: that's okay. Well, we all are. That's why we're human beings, we're animals.
1: (laughs) Right. And and like we're imperfect, and and that's okay. And and I think it's our imperfections that make us interesting. Imagine the same. I love all the differences. <laughs> I would be boring, and and my my stepdaughter, uh, she's so cute. The one that had the baby, Nikki. I, I journaled a lot my whole life. That also saved me too. And she, we we read a journal of mine when I was twenty or something. And I thought, I just love figuring everything out in life. She goes, "Who writes that?"
0: At twenty two, especially. I'm just a searcher, and you know? also I think you're an old soul. Yes, an old soul who has like a weird deal with the devil. Physically, because you look like you're 29 years old. Yeah, but
1: so. I always say because my father and I don't talk. He's um, he's a gambler. I stopped talking to him at 31. He didn't give yeah. me much, but he gave me good genes.
0: Thanks, Tony. I really want to thank you. I also want to end with this. Am I your favorite patient? You don't have to answer it, but I believe that I am. I'm just going to tell myself that. <laughs> you do that love. (laughs) Thank you so much, Dr. Renee. I love you. I think you're amazing. And I really thank you for doing this for me. And you really helped me. Well, I believe in you. Thank you. Keep living, keep praying and keep growing.